0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com. The MITRE Corporation is celebrating the opening of what it says will help numerous federal agencies do a better job of studying national security, climate and environmental issues. The new Bluetech Lab in Bedford, Massachusetts, opened its doors to federal agency sponsors last month. It includes a 620,000-gallon tank for testing unmanned surface and undersea systems. It's the biggest in the region. For more on what the federally funded R&D Corporation hopes to do with it, we're joined now by Nick Rotker, MITRE's chief strategist for Bluetech. Nick, thanks for joining us and, and I think the place I'd like you to start is give us a little background on sort of the, the impetus, the demand signal that that led MITRE to believe that a, a facility like this was, was needed in the first place.
1: Absolutely, Jared. So... Over the past decade or so, we've been building out our capabilities internally, and the demand we are seeing from our sponsors right now is is pretty unprecedented. We have uh, folks uh, reaching out to us across all of our different federal sponsors from Navy interests, uh, NOAA, the National Oceanographic Atmospheric Agency, uh, as well as U.S. Coast Guard and uh, other other, uh, sponsors that are interested in the maritime environment.
0: So tell us about the facility itself. What's it look like? Uh, give us some sense of the scale. What can you do there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, the the lab is one of MITRE's uh, largest investments that we've made over the past uh, decades. And it's one of the largest in the region. So it's 106 feet long by 40 feet wide by 20 feet deep. And it really uh, allows for folks to come in and collaborate. So we've built this facility Uh, that has access to the outside community in a way that other MITRE labs don't typically uh, foster. And so this lab is open right now. We're, we're, We're looking for folks that are interested in utilizing this facility and partnering and collaborating with us to solve these problems in the maritime space. So
0: it sounds like you don't have any projects lined up quite yet, but give us a sense of the types of work that you would be able to do there.
1: Absolutely. So... Given its size, we we view it as uh, uh, ripe for the utilization uh, of developing capabilities for autonomous platforms. Right, so you want to be able to take your uh, autonomous platforms test them fully before you put them in the ocean and and inevitably things may go wrong and you may uh, lose that platform so a lot of the interest that we've had to date is really around uh, underwater autonomous platforms uh, underwater sensing systems uh, capabilities where you're communicating between platforms in the marine environment and things of that nature
0: and why is it important to have a lab set up this way? I mean, what can you do there that you couldn't do in, let's say, a protected cove? Is it about instrumentation? What else, what 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 are the big differences in in that protected setting?
1: Yeah. So in the controlled environment, you have a lot more ability to know what's going on with both your platform and uh, the environment, right? So it enables you to do much finer measurements uh, one of the capabilities of the lab is to do very precise uh, beam patterns and measurement patterns of underwater transducers and hydrophones uh, the other capability that's going to be unique to our facility is the underwater camera system that we have so it is going to be one of the largest installations in the country of the Qualysis, uh underwater camera system and that allows for 0.1 centimeter accuracy anywhere within the tank. And so you can take an object, put it in the tank, uh, and uh, enable uh, real uh, truth information of that platform. So if you're developing autonomy algorithms, or other capabilities that need precise geolocation of your object under sea, this tank will allow you to measure all those so that you work out all the kinks before you put it in the ocean.
0: And what, what's kind of the the range of agencies or MITRE sponsors who might be able to take
1: advantage of something like this? So currently we have a lot of demand coming from both NOAA uh, and our, our partners there uh, being able to test maritime platforms uh, as well as a lot of our work from the U.S. Navy. So we do a lot of development of various uh, sensing platforms, communication platforms, and so being able to test it in our own facility uh, we're seeing a lot of demand from our our sponsors in that that place. What, what what are the other components of the lab? I mean, is the tank really the star, or what else do you have installed there? So besides just the tank, obviously it's a a very large uh, controlled body of water. But uh, we also have lab space for those who come in and utilize the facility, uh, as well as the the facility itself is actually the center of our our Blue Nerve network. Uh, The Blue Nerve Network uh, is a capability that we've been working on and developing and rolling out across the country, and it allows us to actually connect uh, geographically distributed labs and testing infrastructure across the country. And so our facility is going to be the the hub of of that network, and it's going to allow us to collaborate with various uh, maritime research institutions and government agencies across the nation.
0: The news release that you guys put out announcing this talked about it it being possibly used for climate research, which is super interesting to me. How do you study something on the scale of the climate in a facility that's uh, relatively small compared to the Earth?
1: So one of the things that the Blue Nerve Network is trying to do is uh, connect all these institutions and reduce the barrier of entry for organizations to get access to maritime data. Right. One of the the main issues with trying to understand climate is that we don't have enough data or access to data around the oceans. And so one of the things that the network is is attempting to do is connect all these various research institutions, government agencies, industry partners together so that we can start sharing all of this data that we've already paid for. We've already collected already exists uh, and enable the community to access it in ways that they're not uh, able to at the moment.
0: And is there like a particular government sponsor for the network or is MITRE just running this organically?
1: So the original capability was developed uh, about a decade ago for our intelligence community sponsors. So it is a secure unclassified network. Uh, It does require uh us-only uh personnel to to play on this network uh however the current instance of this blue nerve initiative uh we have a grant from the state of massachusetts and the mass tech collaborative to roll out nine nodes across the state of massachusetts um and so that's connecting folks like woods hole oceanographic institute uh, tufts university northeastern massachusetts maritime uh at UMass Boston, UMass Dartmouth, and a couple others within the Massachusetts region. We also are uh, connecting with partners uh, across Rhode Island, down at the Naval Undersea Warfare Center in Newport, uh, as a government uh, collaborator, as well as the University of Rhode Island, and and are looking to expand to to other regions, including the West Coast, uh, uh, and other partners across the country.
0: That's Nick Rotker, the chief strategist for the MITRE Corporation's Blue Tech Project. We'll post more information and a link to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive.
1: Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. As the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's Chief People Officer, Elizabeth Comstetter sees a focus on people as absolutely crucial to her leadership style.
2: in the federal system with that focus.
3: Isn't that a great title? I just love the title Chief People Officer, and I think it's my dream job, really, to be focused on people and culture and the workforce strategy for the whole agency. And I'm just so excited to be at CISA. At this point in time, we're only four years young as an agency, so we're really still creating who we're going to become as an agency and what is our culture and what kind of people and talent do we need to be sure we have to be successful. So it's very exciting for me to be in this role with a intentional focus on culture because it's one of those things, if you leave it to chance and you kind of hope it goes the way you want it to, it probably won't. So by building programs, including leadership development programs, including certain activities that we would hope would, in, would increase engagement. In this era, you can't do once a year and understand what your employees' experiences are, what they need, what's working well, and what needs to improve. We need active, uh, ongoing listening programs. So one of the things we're doing at CISA is having more pulse surveys, having more focus groups and what we call sensing sessions. Expecting our leaders to have office hours where anybody can come and just talk about what's going well, what do they need, how, how are things going? Um, because I, we feel like it is an ongoing need to hear from our people. And I think in this role and over the years of serving, I've also realized there's never a one-size-fits-all. You know, we think certain people need certain things at certain times in their career. There's no one-size-fits-all neither can we also customize everything to every individual so there's got to be a sweet spot in building really great talent programs but also like i said thinking about can we do this in modules can we make it a menu can we do it just in time as people need it so they can practice the new skill or knowledge in their role so i think we have such great opportunity again with the technology that enables us to really um, focus on how we connect people with their work and their team to get things done in in very new ways.
2: This is always an interesting question. Is there a figure, either from your personal life, your past, somewhere in history generally, that inspired you, your leadership style, um, how you view leadership?
3: There are many figures who have been very inspirational to me, but there is one that sticks out, and that's my mother, Paula Brownlee, who has, been a very inspiring leader to me all my life and i think because first and foremost she had a strong family and a strong career and that's something i always wanted and i saw her first as my mother but then i also saw her as a leader in her career and in academia which was her chosen field but i always knew her family came first and as I saw how she balanced different family needs with also a, a growing and more and more prominent um, career positions in leadership, that she had to balance that. And I think I learned from her that you can have both. You have to, you have to focus on different things through your career um, and through your life, but that you don't have to trade one for the other. Um, I've been married happily married for 32 years and I'm a mother of twins